Hi folks. Final podcast of the year. This one's another throwback, re-edited and expanded and reworked into my current style. It's about another member of the extraordinary Yamakawa siblings, and that time he danced past a siege during the Civil War of 1868. In a year amidst a pandemic that feels like being besieged all too often, I hope it will bring some measure of inspiration. History is neither neat nor easy. We know this. However, by studying it, we can do more than just be better equipped for today and tomorrow. We can also draw some measure of comfort, especially in circumstances like right now at the tail end of 2021, in thinking about how people before us also faced long odds with creativity and humor. Thank you for your support, and here's to 2022. Meanwhile, my love to you all, and thank you for your support over Twitch, Patreon, and elsewhere at Riverside Wings. Thank you for being the wind beneath my wings. Hello, denizens of the internet! This is Dr. Nairi A. Bakalian, and you are listening to Friday Night History, your favorite historical romp with your favorite history dyke. Number 44, Season 2, Episode 11 of Friday Night History, Dancing Through the Siege. Sometimes, the most successful battlefield actions are the ones that the enemy least expects. This is the story of one gutsy general and a dance through a siege in 1868. His name at the time was Yamakawa Okura, but for the sake of consistency, I'm going to call him by the name he was known for most of his later life, which is Yamakawa Hiroshi. In 1868, Yamakawa Hiroshi was 23. He was an Aizu clan elder, the term in Japanese is karo, and he was an expert field commander who fought his way through the entire war against crazy long odds. As we saw in our last episode, he was a badass from a family of badasses, and in a family that had produced a long line of leaders in Aizu domain in service to the Matsudaira clan. By autumn 1868, the war had been long and bloody. The Northern Alliance, which formed to defend the North after it was provoked to fight, was losing in the struggle against the nascent Imperial Army. Why it lost is complex, and not as simple as the image of swords versus guns that persists in some circles. But in a nutshell, despite cutting-edge technology, the Alliance was not as unified as it could have been in aims and chain of command. And in general, it suffered from the same problem as the preceding shogunate military in superimposing a Western contemporary chain of command over an older feudal system. The resulting internal clash, together with the region's impoverishment and depopulation owing to decades of famine and bad harvest, hastened the alliance's demise. All of that to say, by the autumn of 1868, things were getting ugly. Aizu was at the center of the dispute. It was in the north, but not part of the alliance. The leaders of the new imperial army were out for blood against Aizu, which fought some of them in Kyoto before their rise to power. Aizu was besieged starting in October. 
their territory was ravaged. For a long time, the people weren't allowed to bury their dead by imperial order. And the warriors of Aizu were besieged in Wakamatsu Castle. Follow the link in the blog post to check out the photos. The Domain's leaders were holding out, but the resources were limited, and food and medical supplies were running low. Even worse, the communication lines to Aizu forces in other regional theaters of operation were nearly severed, and time was running out for a rally. Yamakawa Hiroshi's battalion was out beyond the siege on the other side of the mountains, just to the south in Nikko, the home of Toshogu, shrine to the first shogun. But his own defensive lines had finally collapsed, and he was starting to pull out and go north when he heard that Wakamatsu Castle was besieged and needing reinforcement. Clearly then, something needed doing. Forces of the Imperial Army, led by Satsuma Domain, had already set up a complete encirclement of Wakamatsu Castle. The castle sits in a valley at the junction of five roads, and it's ringed by hills and mountains, and so with the high ground lost, the Imperial Army was pouring artillery fire, including with the then cutting-edge Armstrong guns, into the castle. Breaking through would not be easy. But Hiroshi and his troops had a significant advantage. They were locals, and the besiegers were not. They knew the terrain, yes, but they also knew other local assets, and so he implemented a very local solution and brought out dancers. And here, friends, is where we get back to this season's primary theme of historic folklore and folk customs, because we need to talk about something called the Higanjishi. In Aizu, the Higanjishi, the lion dancers, dance to announce that spring has come to Aizu, where snow falls crazy-ass deep and spring is joyous. The tradition features three dancers in tall, feathered lion masks, accompanied by musicians playing flute and taiko along with a small retinue. This dance is not only to herald the coming of spring, mind you, but also to pray for good harvest and safety in the homes around the community. Now, I know what you might be thinking, and the answer is, yes, the siege was in autumn, and, and yeah, this festival was supposed to happen in the spring. You know that, and I know that, but the Imperial Army was from the other end of Japan, and they didn't know that. So, Hiroshi rounded up dancers and musicians and briefed them on his strategy. He would dance through the siege, and then with the dancers and musicians leading the vanguard of his unit, all of them walked through the siege lines with the Imperial troops staring at them in shock. I'm not sure if the Imperials didn't shoot at all, but Hiroshi's unit made it through the lines intact. For an army hell-bent on total devastation and revenge and burning Aizu to the ground, mercy doesn't seem the Imperial Army's style. If anything, what comes to mind is Lipton's narration in Band of Brothers about Captain Spears running through the German lines to link up with a friendly unit that was stuck on the opposite side of Foy. Quote, At first the Germans didn't shoot at him. I think they didn't believe what they were seeing. Unquote. One way or another, Yamakawa Hiroshi did the most outlandishly unexpected thing, and by doing so, 
got his army through the siege and reinforced and resupplied the besieged castle. This just goes to show, never underestimate this element of surprise and confusion in accomplishing something against long odds. Unfortunately for him, the domain surrendered in mid-November, and the war ended the following spring. In a strange twist of irony, Yamakawa Hiroshi became an Imperial Japanese Army officer in the mid-1870s. He joined during the Satsuma Rebellion to get a chance at revenge on the Satsuma men who led the Imperial forces that destroyed his hometown. He would rise to the rank of general. Years later, with his brother Kenjiro and old comrades-in-arms, he was part of the efforts that led the way in telling the story of the war from Aizu's point of view and made possible generations of future scholarship, including my own. And today, in Aizu, the Higanjishi still dance every spring. I'm Nairi, and this has been Friday Night History. Now, questions? And that's a wrap for the year. Friday Night History is a weekly historical romp with me, your favorite history dyke, Dr. Nairi A. Bakalian. Our theme is Bugle Blue, written by Craig Friedrich, performed by the U.S. Army Blues and available royalty-free at pixabay.com music. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you in particular to all 69 nice of my Patreon patrons at patreon.com slash riversidewings. Support this and future episodes by subscribing on Twitch and Patreon at Riverside Wings. And remember, who you are and what lights your fire is worth fighting for. Happy New Year, and I'll see you around. <laughs>